0: The College Football Playoff Selection Committee revealed the top four teams, and it is all over but the crying, and we are about to start crying. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we got to go over the college football playoff as we see it. It is set. Get into my Heisman candidates, five guys that I think are deserving. Only one can win. But right off the top, let me channel my inner force gup and say, Alabama! Yes, absolutely. The Crimson Tide found a way to get into the college football playoff in the most controversial way that we've seen any team get into the college football playoff in its 10 years of existence. That is how meaningful it was to the committee that Alabama dispatched Georgia, not just Georgia team that had won the two, uh, two national championships, but a Georgia team that had won 29 in a row in a thriller game. It was outstanding. I really enjoyed watching Jalen Milrow and Isaiah Bond find a way to get past this Georgia team. But the way in which Alabama got into the playoff at the number four spot, we will never forget, particularly in Tallahassee, Florida. But I'm looking at this Bama team and the argument would be, we know that we took a loss to Texas. We are not the same team that lost to Texas by 10 at home. We've gotten so much better since then. We went through changing out the quarterback. We had two other guys go for the job. We benched the starter. We brought the starter back. And then right around the old Miss game or Mississippi State game, we got to see what Jalen Milroe was actually capable of in Tommy Reese's first year, I might add, as offensive coordinator at Alabama. I also think it's kind of funny that Tommy Reese has gotten much closer to win a national championship in the sec than his former head coach and well former boss that is one brian kelly at lsu who went down to lsu for expressly that reason he wanted to win a national championship but is alabama one of the four best teams in college football i think that's true i think that you can't argue with that statement however we tend to look at this sport and go did you win every game you played did you play a schedule that was tough and did you win a conference championship? Now. Alabama played a very tough schedule, and their ranked opponents are really good, notably Georgia, right? This LSU team that was actually pretty damn good. This Ole Miss team that was also really damn good. You go up and down their schedule, and you can see it. And then Texas does them a solid because Texas comes back from its loss against Oklahoma to run the table, to win its first Big 12 championship since 2009, but also in a resounding fashion, I think the scoreboard and the disparity between Oklahoma State and Texas also helped Alabama because you're looking at that team and you're going, OK, if that team is that good and they just beat the SEC champion earlier this year, maybe we should consider the SEC champion with Jalen Milroy quarterback as opposed to Florida State who doesn't have Jordan Travis at quarterback and certainly didn't even have Tate Rodemaker at quarterback. I think the argument that you got to take into that last bullet point of injuries saying to sustain to key players is the one for which the college football playoff selection committee leans on in leaving out a power five undefeated conference champion. We've never seen this before. It is totally without precedent, but it also screams. We don't care about the regular season at all. We are becoming the NBA. And I hate that for us, because the one thing you used to be able to say, used to, about our sport is that every game matters. Every single game matters. And this committee has thrown that out the window. It has decided that it will take into account whatever factors that it deems necessary to get the four-team playoff that will mostly pass muster, but everybody wants to see. I am really excited to see Alabama into the college football playoff because I'm a fan of the sport, right? I love to watch good teams play, but I'm also an Eagle Scout. I believe in honor and integrity. And just because I would have to hold my nose and put Florida State in the college football playoff, that's no reason to leave them out because I just don't like it. No, no, no. They earned this. And I have been more critical of Florida State than any other analyst that you listen to. I have dinged them for their schedule. I have dinged them for playing in a weak ACC. And I have dinged them for needing to make these dramatic attempts to win games against teams that we know aren't that good. Yet and still, they passed the test, which is to win every game you played. And in this way, Florida State feels like a group of five power five, or excuse me, group of five champion that gone undefeated. Because that's what we said about the ACC. And this is devastating for the ACC because what it says is we don't think that you're any good anymore. We think that if these teams are playing the big 10 or the SEC, they're going to get the nod because we think that those are the better football teams. Even if you got an Alabama team with the one loss versus a Florida state, my goodness, to think that Florida state would be left out of any national championship conversation is wild to me because I grew up in the Bowden era. I grew up at a time when Florida state was it. It was Miami is Florida State. Alabama didn't even factor into it. Georgia didn't even factor into it, but the game has changed in such a way that we get Alabama and Michigan in a one versus four in the Rose Bowl, which is going to be outstanding. The last time that Alabama-Michigan and played, Alabama stopped a mud hole in Michigan and walked it dry, 35 to 16. Jerry Judy became the first wide receiver at Alabama to go for over 200 yards receiving in a bowl game. So they're familiar, and I am I would really like to see another shot of Michigan after they saw that they were going to play Alabama and not Florida State because they didn't look happy about it. They looked like they were going to get, you know, this year's bye, which is always the team in the four-spot play in the one spot. But this year, this could be the best college football playoff that we get to see. So as a fan, yeah, I'm, I'm overjoyed because both of these games are going to be outstanding, all right? We're not talking about Washington, Texas yet, but you can already see – Sark, right, the Sark Bowl, where he was once the head coach at Washington, now being the head coach at Texas. And Washington's absolutely got an argument to being one of the best teams in the country. But the last thought that I have on Alabama getting into this thing ahead of Florida State, before I just pour one out to Florida State, is it really does matter what you have done in the last three weeks, right? But it matters most, what did you do against the best competition available to anybody on that weekend? Because this is also an Alabama team that needed a grave digger play on 4th and 31 to beat 6-6 six and six Auburn by 3 points. It's also an Alabama team that went and beat Georgia, but a Georgia team that needed to take the lead with 3 minutes left in the game against the same Auburn team that Alabama barely beat, which would lead you to believe that Auburn is good. I submit to you, no, they are not. No, 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 they are not. They are bowl eligible at 6-6, six and six, but they are not good. Do you know how I know they're not good? Because New Mexico State went into Auburn, Alabama at Jordan Air and stomped a mud hole in Damn Eagle 31 two ten. That's a three touchdown deficit that New Mexico State put on Auburn, the same Auburn that pushed Georgia and pushed Alabama. There's no reason why you should think that Alabama was one of the four best teams given all of that. But it's about what did they do against Georgia and what do we think about Georgia? It. It sucks because Liberty might look at this and be like, yo, if you're going to put Alabama in there, why not put us in there? We're 13 and 0 and we beat New Mexico state, the same New Mexico state that beat Auburn, the same Auburn that damn near had Alabama bounced out that damn near had Georgia bounced out before we even got to the conference championship week. So no matter how you split this, everybody's got an argument outside of Georgia, Georgia, you're in your season ended on Saturday. Okay. Have fun in your new year six bowl. And this time, don't do no stuff like showing up saying we didn't want to play in the Sugar Bowl against a Texas team that beat us, all right? We're not going to hold that because now you get to see how this actually works for everybody else. If you lose, you usually don't get into this damn thing unless you beat a team that we all think is really good. This time, you're that team that, we, that Alabama beat that we all thought was good, okay? It's also the first time in college football playoff history that the team ranked number one going into the final week before Selection Sunday is bounced out of the college football playoff altogether. I never thought we would see anything like that either. That is also unprecedented, which is another reason why I think Kirby Smart was clinging to this idea that he had one of the four best teams in the country. Look, dog, don't gaslight me. Don't do that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I saw Brock Bowers out there. He ain't healthy. I saw Lab McConkey out there. He ain't healthy. And even if they were, I'm not sure you beat that Alabama team And I don't know that that Alabama team is any juggernaut, but all four of these teams in the college football playoff are capable of winning the national championship. The argument against Florida State is that it is not without Jordan Travis. And I hate that. I I really do. If you are a Florida State fan, I'm being very sincere in this. This sucks because since I started doing this job some six years ago, there have been two things that I stand on. One is if you win every football game you played, you deserve an opportunity to play in the college football playoff. Now, I got to take it as it lies, right? This is not the world that we live in. But the other one that I I live in is, hey, look, dog, I can't help myself any more than I have helped myself. So Florida State goes and wins their bowl game, and they want to hang the damn banner, hang the damn banner, okay? I don't know that you're going to end up number one in anybody's NCAA selector poll to get an official national championship, but you certainly would have more claim to one than, say, Oklahoma State in 1945, which they claim Army's national championship inside of Boone Pickett Stadium. And if you are Mike Norvell, there's that. you really do have to look around and go, okay, how do we fix this? And, and the answer's coming next year, right? It's 12-team playoff, but that doesn't help you in 2023. All you can do... Is walk around pacing and extremely mad, and I know that Florida State is just not going to take this line down because they ain't the type. Uh, Florida State fans are actually—they're going to go pick a fight. Somebody's going to file a frivolous lawsuit somewhere somehow to try to make noise about this. And if nothing else, they are already going to start printing up the banners because that's—they're that type. But that also gets to just what this sport means to us, like. NFL people be jumping into the mentions on this when talking about what they think our four best teams are. I'm like, yo, dog, y'all got a real playoff and y'all don't even care about us on Saturday. We are your feeder league. We're passionate about this. We live and breathe this stuff, which is why when we do something like leave Florida State out, people get to not take us seriously. And I really hate that because we got to take ourselves seriously. Because if we're going to make it so that winning matters, you're going to put Florida State into the college football playoff over Alabama. Again, leaning on that, well, they don't have Jordan Travis is one thing, but there's lots of other football players on that team, guys, and there are lots of other football players that helped that team win. And oh, by the way, they didn't lose a football game after they lost Jordan Travis. They beat a Florida team that you told me was good based on how it played against Missouri, based on it beating Tennessee. You want to ding them for not beating North Alabama by enough? You want to ding them by not beating Louisville by enough? come on, man. Are we winning? Then what is winning? Because as I understand it, that's what matters. That's what we do this for. We do this to win. And if you didn't win, you don't need to be in this playoff ahead of somebody that did. So I, I again, Florida State fans, you have every right to be grievous online. And if you need to yell, yell in my mentions, honestly, because I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear you. I'm also taking a look at this this Washington, Texas thing that Is really quite exciting, honestly, because I didn't expect to be this thrilled about the college football playoff because it usually comes down to one team not being that good. And I thought this team was going to be Florida State. But now you get to see because Texas stomped out Oklahoma State, because Quinn Ewers looked so good, because they look deep at all positions, they get into a spot where they're playing the best Washington team That probably has taken a football field since 1991 when Washington went 12 and 0 to win a national championship in the Rose Bowl against Michigan. That could be your national championship game once again. And you know what? Nobody's more deserving among the four teams in this college football playoff to get into this thing than Washington. They played one of the toughest schedules in the country and won football games the last month, the way that Florida State had won football games by the skin of their teeth, but they have Michael Penix Jr. healthy. That's the difference. And then against an Oregon team that we all thought was good, an Oregon team that we all thought should have won that first round matchup in week seven against Washington in Seattle, they stomped them out. As a nine and a half point favorite, that Washington offense went to work. It got the run game going, a thing that used to be a hood ornament for Washington football even last year when they won 11 games they got their best wide receiver on the field and they got their second best wide receiver back for the first time in weeks and they played like it 100 yard receiving performances for Jalen mcmillan and romo dunsey in this game michael Penix went for 300 dylan johnson went for 150 on the ground and the defense did its job against the most efficient offense in football bo nix is going to be a heisman finalist because of how he has performed Troy Franklin was outstanding. Treshawn Holden's outstanding. Bucky Irvin, Jordan James, outstanding. That defense was the best scoring defense in the Pac-12. And Washington got a top five victory to cement a 13-0 season to become the first 13-0 Pac-12 champion before we play a single bowl game. And for their efforts, they get to play a Texas team that has rounded into form, even without its best tailback on the field for the last month of the season, Jonathan Brooks sideline doesn't matter. We got CJ Baxter back there. Doesn't matter that you don't always get what you want out of an Adonai Mitchell, but you got Xavier worthy, who by the way, is a first round draft pick. Somebody needs to take that dude off the board real quick, fast and in a hurry because he's got it like that. And then you can go to JT Sanders because one of the things that I think people are going to recognize over the next month is if you think that Brock Bowers is the best tight end in the country, you're right. But if you don't know that JT Sanders is the second best tight end in the country, you're wrong. JT Sanders had over hundred yards receiving against Oklahoma state in the big 12 championship game. And that man has been a monster since high school was one of my favorite players in high school to go. So I get to go to Texas. And one of the things that I asked Steve Sarkeesian about him in year one was, Hey, which side of the ball is that dude going to play on? Because he has it to play both defensive end and tight end. But when you see his hands, and you see his speed, and you see how he matches up against safeties and linebackers, you scheme for him. And that's exactly what Steve Sarkeesian does so well. Scheme for his players. He's going to make you wrong. You're going to think the ball's one way, it's coming back the other. And now that he has Quinn Ewers absolutely operating on the level that we thought Quinn Ewers could operate on, they look like the kind of team that could absolutely give a team like Washington the business. And then that's Before I start talking about what that defense has done. Also, we talked about Steve Sarkeesian being at Washington. Pete Kwiatkowski was defense coordinator at Washington over there with Jimmy Lake in the Chris Peterson era. So this is going to be fun either way we look at it. And Pete Kwiatkowski's defense has been mauling. Tavondre Sweat so good that they put him in the backfield on offense, put him on tight end on offense, throw him the football for a touchdown. Defensive player of the year in the Big 12. They've got outstanding dudes at corner and safety. They got what I think is an all American and linebacker, and they've got a freshman Phenom in Anthony Hill that can run people down. I'm excited for that. They match up, both of those teams match up well to the teams they're going to play, Washington and Texas. I think even right now, we're looking at a Texas team that's probably going to have the edge because Washington defensively is not great and still that much of a liability. But again, they've got the offense to match whatever offensive performance the Texas can put in so if we get a shootout in that game that is going to be January 1st in the Sugar Bowl I'm I, could, I I'm going to get everything I want right that's the thing if you're not a Florida State fan this is how you draw it up I think when you look at Michigan and Washington there though 1 versus 2 Washington probably feels okay with being two, given how the season has gone and given what Michigan has done so far. But they would have cause to be the number one team, but being the number one team in this instance means you play in Bama. I think that's the last team on, on anybody's schedule they want to play right now because what Jalen Milrow has been for them is nothing short of magnificent, same thing with Isaiah Bond, and Bama's going to get an opportunity to get healthy. Matter of fact, that Bama defense is the thing that I'm the most terrified of if I have to play them. Because it's not just Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner or Deontay Lawson. It's Caleb Downs on the back end. Like, I can't yell this enough. That is the dude that I picked to win the Jen Thorpe Award. And he's a true freshman. He leads Alabama in tackles. They matched him up against Brock Bowers, and he was giving that dude the business. And that's before you get to Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry and Arnold. Terry and Arnold, the Trayvon Diggs college football. That dude is just as likely to go pick the pass off as he is to get beat, but he's going to block, excuse me, he's going to tackle. He's going to run it down. He's going to play hard. I think that's one of Nick Saban's favorite players on that team. And the way the Jordan battle was a couple of years ago, Kool-Aid McHintry might be the fourth best DB on that defense and the best DB on anybody else's because what Malachi Moore can also bring to that tied secondary, like they're going to be ready and rolling for this Michigan game. And if you get to play downhill against Michigan, meaning that you're going to put it on uh, JJ McCarthy's shoulders You feel good about that because J.J. McCarthy, while good, has not been great. So they're going to have to be able to run the football well. And also, you got to call into question, what is Michigan going to be able to do without Zach Zinter against Alabama? It is one thing for Michigan to run through the Big Ten. But we have seen it has been quite another for them to beat an SEC team in a college football playoff, let alone a Texas Christian. They still haven't done this before. Alabama has done this before. They know how this feels. That's the reason you don't want to play Alabama right now. Everybody else here doesn't know what winning is in a college football playoff national championship, okay? Matter of fact, nobody else here has played in a college football playoff national championship. Nick Saban, man, greatest college football coach of all time, greatest football coach of all time for me, one of my favorites. i am also got the national championships odds in here. Uh, Producer Tyler just dropped them in there for us. We got plus 160 for Michigan. We got plus 200 for Alabama. We got plus 300 for Texas. We got plus 700 for Washington. So there are people that seem to already think that Michigan is favored to win the national championship, and that would be right out of a storybook for them. This team on paper is already better than the 97 national championship team that featured Charles Woodson, among others, right? But also has a Blake Corum that is healthy, has a Donovan Edwards that is healthy. And we've seen what Jesse Mentor and that defense is capable of, and Sharon Moore, is the best assistant in the country. I think he's the Broyles award winner, if not in line for a big time job. Like if if Jim Harbaugh decides that he actually does want to go to the NFL next year, I would not be shocked to find out that Sharon Moore would be the head coach at Michigan. He's been that pivotal to winning for them, especially with Harbaugh having to sit out six games of the regular season. The man can win a national championship having coached on the field as many games in 2020 as 2023, and in 2020 went two and four. I I continue to bring this up because I think it's important. I mean, it's jumping into the time machine. But if Michigan played Ohio State in 2020, I'm not even sure that Jim Harbaugh's coaching that team in 2021 because I think Ohio State would have stomped them out. But since then, all Michigan has done is win football games is beat teams that we all think are good. So for that unit, that program, to do what they have done, given all of their self-inflicted turmoil, I find that to be truly outstanding. And for them to be favored to win the national championship just falls right in line with how the season has gone for them. And ACCAD called the uh, CFP's decision. This is, man, talking about Michigan. They're the only team other than Washington we agree with, but I find it really fascinating that ACC has already called in surrogates on this one. An ACC AD calls CFP's decision unfathomable. Check this out. It's unfathomable that Florida State, an undefeated Power Five conference champion, was left out of the college football playoff. Their exclusion calls into question the selection process and whether the committee's own guidelines are, are excuse me, were followed, including the significant importance of being an undefeated Power Five champion. My heart breaks for talented FSU student-athletes and coaches and their passionate and loyal fans. Florida State deserves better. College football deserves better. Again, I agree. I could not agree more. I get that some of you are very callous right now, going, cry me a river, dog. Like, I, I didn't want to see y'all play. I don't think you're that good. Again, are we going to be objective about anything at all? Are we Are we going to look at scores and say, oh, that team beat that team, that matters? And apparently not. Because I can't imagine this going over in any other sport, the way that it goes over in college football and what people that claim to like other sports will tell me is, hey, man, you know, the thing about college football is that it's passionate, it's regional, you know, it's about winning a national championship could go to three different teams in any season. I'm going, nah, dog, we we demand more. We demand more. We are a big time sport. We are the second most important sport in North America behind the NFL. And the NFL has taken it so far that they have wild card weekend. You know what wild card weekend would be like for a college football? A 16-team playoff. So next year we get closer to that with 12. And I'm glad because things like Florida State being left out of a playoff for simply being undefeated and for simply winning the Power Five championship would never happen based on hey, it doesn't matter that Jordan Travis ain't there doesn't matter that Tate Rodemaker couldn't play for concussion protocol purposes. It matters that the Florida State Seminoles get an opportunity to go prove it. If they get beat, they get beat. And as I said, and this is kind of apt, everybody deserves the same opportunity to get beat by Bama. That was originally meant for teams like Cincinnati and Liberty, but apparently now it's Georgia. Because you wouldn't schedule Alabama if you didn't have to. Alabama wouldn't have scheduled Texas if they knew what this was going to be. I've never seen a team more angry that they scheduled Texas, okay? You also scheduled Tennessee, Chattanooga, and South Florida, and you can barely get by South Florida 17-3, to all right? All right? So you need to be saying not we are one of the four best teams, but damn, dog, I'm glad y'all believe that about us. I'm glad y'all got faith in us. I'm glad you think that we're one of the four best teams, but we're playing with house money now because that's how you got to feel if you're a Tide fan, but they're too arrogant to feel that. That's the thing that also kind of – spurs me about the SEC right now. They believe they're entitled. College football, football games, nobody's entitled to anything. That's why I love this sport. If you line up and you can beat me, you deserve to go ahead of me. But if you line up and I beat you, I am going to stand on a table telling people that I did. That's what it is, okay? Now we're turning this into a pageant, and I hate pageants. I, 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 I hate pageants because I'm not a pageant dude. And I don't think football players are either. We asked them to outwork each other. We asked them to show up at 4 a.m. in the weight room. We asked them to run through hot practices in August with saying, hey, take care of what's in front of you. If you can beat the person in front of you, we will, everything will work out the way that it's supposed to. It's no longer true, dog. So when kids go into the transfer portal on Monday because they want to go get paid, I will remind you, it ain't because they're going to go play for championships. Florida State. With, with just Florida State proved that. This is not anymore about playing for national championships, and that's what you've done here. You fractured it. Now we got to go fix, if at all possible, what you have broken. Because if the kids don't want to trust you, then we've lost. Because that's what it's about. Hey, do you want to play for a national championship? Come here. We play big time football here. Then you'll get a bunch of uh, suits in a boardroom at the Gaylord Texan who will tell me with a straight face these kids aren't good enough because, well, they're undefeated, but not undefeated in a way that we like. Get out of my face. I I can't stand this. Like, it it, it really does bother me, and I will continue to be upset about it. That said, again, Michigan versus Alabama is going to be great. Washington versus Texas is going to be great. And we're going to have a worthy, deserving college football playoff national champion. We're also going to have a Florida State that hangs the banner, and I am fine with both. All right, let's talk a little bit about my top five Heisman candidates as we have come to what I think of as the end of the season before you can start casting votes. Okay, The Heisman opened up its voting last Monday, which is a mistake and one that they could easily correct, which means that you've had people that did not watch football games this weekend that cast their votes during the week, and I think those people should no longer have votes. However, I think that we're all going to agree on who might be five finalists. I don't know if they're going to bring five, but we're going to do a top five for me. We're going to go start at number five. We're going to go to one. At number five, I have Marvin Harrison Jr., who I think is a worthy Heisman finalist and could win the Heisman trophy, be the first wide receiver to do that since Devontae Smith, who was the first wide receiver to do that uh, since Desmond Howard. But you're looking at what Marvin Harrison did over the season, we're talking about. Not just 67 catches with 1,200 yards, 14 TDs, averaging 18-point yards per catch, but the best Ohio State Buckeye on a loaded Ohio State Buckeye team. And at times, the offense for Ohio State, to which I would say, hey, look, I know that Ohio State lost to Michigan, but that wasn't because of Marvin Harrison Jr. That dude had 119 yards receiving against what is one of the best scoring defenses. No, the best scoring defense in the entire country. They held Iowa to a goose egg who couldn't move the football. Now, Iowa ain't nobody offensively, but you get my point here. Nobody was going to shackle Marvin Harrison Jr. He is one of the five best players in our sport. And to be a wide receiver, a dependent position, not an independent uh, position, and be able to say that is ridiculous, especially knowing he don't return kicks, he don't return punts. He simply lines up on the numbers and beats the dudes or two dudes or three dudes in front of him for catches. All right. I also one that dude could also be a two-time unanimous All-American. Hello? That what? What? Two times? Unanimous? Man, being an All-American, being a consensus, that's one thing. Unanimous? And then twice? Good Lord. All right. Number four, I got Oregon Ducks quarterback Bo Nix, who had one of the most efficient seasons that I've ever seen from any quarterback ever. 4,100 yards passing, 40 TDs to just three INTs, 77% completion percentage. I don't care if you're running Ryan Day's dink and dump with Dwayne Haskins, completing 77% of your passes is a ridiculous number against the kind of competition that you're going to face in the Pac-12. Now, it certainly hurts his uh, chances that they lost that game to Washington, okay? Okay. But it does not overshadow what he was able to do in his final year of playing college football. He might actually walk into a first-round draft pick because, well, the quarterback play in the NFL is not very good, and nobody knows who's going to be good and why they're going to be good. And Bo Nix has played more, more college football games than anybody else, so you can't say that he's inexperienced as a quarterback. So maybe he falls in the second or third or fourth round, but I still think he's one of the four best players in our sport this year and a worthy recipient of the Heisman Trophy if he did go win it. But right now, certainly a finalist. Number three on the list for me, Michael Penix Jr., Washington Huskies quarterback, had 4,200 yards passing this year, 33 TDs to nine INTs. It's more about what Michael Penix Jr. has done over the last two years. Really? I mean, talking about, 23-2 23-2 and two over these last two years. Comeback Player of the Year last year. 11 wins last year. Threw for more yards, by the way, last year. But that dude has been pivotal to winning at Washington. And Washington played in what I think is the toughest conference in the sport this year, because of what Oregon and Utah proved to be capable of, to say nothing of what Oregon State was. Arizona turns out to be, uh, for me, a top 15 team, winning nine games. We saw what Colorado was like in the first half of the season. Michael Penix Jr. and Washington probably dodged a bullet not playing Colorado early in the year, but certainly when you look at the rest of their schedule, it's like, damn, everybody they played is good. Even Boise State, check this out Boise State was nobody until they won the Mountain West Conference Championship on Saturday against the nine-win UNLV team. They're 8-5, and but you get the point here. Washington beat that Boise State team 56-19 to and then went on to stomp out the better teams in the Pac-12. They're very much there because of what Michael Penix Jr. has been, what Ryan Grubb has been, certainly what Kalen DeBoer has been. I think that dude's got a really great chance to win the Heisman Trophy when it comes down to it, simply for what Washington has accomplished this year and last and what he has meant to the best team west of the Mississippi. All right, let's get to number two. I got Jaden Daniels at number two, LSU quarterback. Now, Jaden Daniels has had a season unlike anybody else has had. We had one game where Jaden Daniels was responsible for 600 yards, of damn offense himself. For perspective, Texas put up 662 as a team against Oklahoma State. Jaden Daniels was like, nah, dog, that's just Saturday for me. Because he's had over 3,800 yards passing with 40 TDs to just four INTs. He's also rushed for 1,134 yards with 10 TDs. He's got 50 total TDs. The numbers that he's putting up are comparable and in some ways better than the numbers that Joe Burrow put up when he won the Heisman Trophy. However, winning... Winning matters. And if you are not playing the full season, I also think that takes into account. Now, part of that is Jaden Daniels getting knocked out of games because that offensive line is, well, if Colorado had the worst offensive line in in power five football, then LSU had the second worst offensive line in power five football because that dude was getting ragdolled. You got to protect the good, baby. Like that, and that man is the goods in his final year. As a college football player, I would assume, right? Also kind of wild to me that both Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels are on this list after a couple of years ago. They didn't look like anything like this. It to say nothing? Spencer Rattler is also going to go into the draft and all those guys came into the sport together and I've kind of watched them grow up and it's been fun. But Jaden Daniels coming into his own at LSU was not something that I expected to see, but he's not the same sort of maturation that Joe Burrow had playing for Ed Orgeron at LSU where that 18 year, he looks so, so to good, you know? You go play against UCF in a bowl game, comes back, runs the table. Jaden Daniels looks so, so to good, comes back and puts together one of the great individual seasons that we've seen in the sport in recent memory. But losing football games usually has bearing on what the Heisman voters will do, right? If you want to tell me that Jaden Daniels is the Heisman Trophy winner, I'm not going to fight you. I think he is worthy of it. I think that the stats are there and I think he's given us the wow moments that we needed. I would just say... He didn't get to play in most of the second half against Alabama, which was the most pivotal game on their schedule because nobody thinks that Florida State is good except Florida State fans, uh, apparently, right? Because that that also, excuse me, has to take it into account. So I got him at two, which also means my number one is the guy that I've been telling you I think is going to win the uh, Heisman Trophy if he beats Georgia. And that is Jalen Milroe, quarterback at Alabama. Look here. It's about what have you meant to winning and what have you meant to winning at the highest level? And there has been no higher level than Georgia. Georgia was operating on a level that we had not seen in some time in our sport. 29 straight against everybody that they had to offer. Two national championships, okay? Jalen Milroe showed up to the SEC title game with an Alabama team that is far from being the best that Nick Saban has fielded. He also got benched early in this year for Tyler Buckner and Ty Stimson. He got off the bench and proceeded to march Alabama into the SEC title game, knock off number one and undefeated Georgia, and then vault an Alabama team over a 13-0 Florida State team into the college football playoff and they are a smart pick to win the national championship in large part because four is big in winning time. There was winning time against Auburn again. You don't need. You shouldn't have been in winning time against Auburn. But the point here is the same. There was winning time against Auburn. Fourth and thirty-one, the Gravedigger play. That man stood back there and found Isaiah Bond in the back of the end zone. What I love about this is Milrow was loud about. Hey, look, we practiced this. We go through this. We rep this. This was not something that we pulled out of the, uh, out of the sandlot. We knew where we wanted to go with the football. We knew what we were going to have matched up. And I put it in a place where Isaiah bond could go make a play. That's one two is you're absolutely up against it against Georgia in the fourth quarter. It's 20 to 17. And it does not feel like three points is going to help you. You got to go get six. Cause if you give this ball back to Georgia, they're going to tie this thing up or worse. They're going to take the lead. So what does Tommy Reese and Nick Saban do? In the first half, they put it in Jalen Milroe's hands. They say, hey, look, Kirby's going to call a timeout. Let's see what they look like. Okay, cool. Let's call a timeout. And then Jalen, go make a play. Who do you make a play with? The best wide receiver on that team for him, Isaiah Bond. Hit him on a deep out, kept the chains moving, got into the end zone. Do you take a lead in the halftime? Georgia Claus back you're in the fourth quarter you're going okay what do we got here we got Jace McClellan who ain't played in the SEC title game and we got Roy Dell Williams Jan Miller what do we want to do who's our best option to run the football the quarterback Jalen Milrow running out out the clock good going to get first down sitting down inbounds getting back up finding Isaiah Bond in these go-ahead touchdown situations where you have to hit him four times and then you got a Jermaine Burton who's just there happens to be playing against a team that he could not wait to play. Milrow did all of that. And to a man inside of that building, they will run through a wall for the dude wearing four at quarterback. Matter of fact, J.C. Latham went so far as to say, hey, we got to know exactly what Jalen was capable of, even going into camp, and there's a reason why he was a starter. But to see how he led us from the sideline against South Florida That was why we wanted to go play for him and win for him. And you know what? Nick Saban, smart man that he is, he read the room. Tommy Reese, smart play caller that he is, let me build a play sheet that takes advantage of what my guy does well, which is stand back in the pocket for far too long, and then run around. 226 pass yards, 82 rush yards is the average he had over the last four games, 14 total TDs to just one turnover. If we're talking about the player that was most important to winning the most important games... We're talking about Jalen Milrow. I think any one of these five guys, though, is more than capable of winning the Heisman Trophy and would be worthy of winning the Heisman Trophy this year. If it is Jaden, I'm fine with that. If it's any one of these guys, I'm fine with that. But my pick is Jalen Milrow, who, by the way, was this close to going to Texas. Texas. You in a college football playoff and you ended up all right. But this is I can't, I can't imagine what it would be like if, you know. You didn't have to see Alabama across there because you actually had Jalen Milrow on campus, but you can thank Mike Yersich for that. All right. That is going to do it for today's episode of the number one college football show. We will be back Wednesday to talk about the transfer portal, which opens up on Monday and earnest. I'm sure we're going to see some big names going to that. The coaching carousel, get into about Willie Fritz going to Houston, how Big 12 has become the conference of coaches. Really excited for that show. All right. Our number one college football sh- leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torn Westfall. They make us better in the film room. Production assistant Kiara Santana puts the special in our special team. Now is Owen on the live switches. So, uh, social producer JV on Duncan makes sure the recruits and the rivals see the cake we bake. Chaz Boulay is sending in the signal. Senior producer Catherine Cordaggi sees the entire field from the booth. Lead producer Tyler Wojak calls the plays from the sideline. And the play snaps on my clap. We will see y'all on Wednesday. That was-